Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Thank you, Dad. Well, good morning, everyone. (laughs) Happy Resurrection Sunday. Well, my name is Kyle, and I'm one of the pastors here at River in the Hills Church. If it's your first time here with us this morning, we want to welcome you in and let you know that we are glad that you are here. Compass Kids, you can be released. We are glad that you are here if it's your first time, and if it's your thousandth, thousandth time, we're glad you're here. We are believing this morning that Jesus wants to make himself known to you especially if you find yourself on the fence about him and this whole Christianity thing. Jesus is really good at making himself known in response to those sincere questions that you may have in your heart. And that's all I'm asking from you and everyone else in the room. Let's allow our hearts to be sincere and open to the truths that I plan to speak in love to us today. So again, welcome in, and let's get started. The title of today's message is Reigning in Life Through the Resurrected Christ. Reigning in Life Through the Resurrected Christ. This morning, we'll be looking at a number of scriptures that unearth the glorious treasures that became available to us because of the singular historical event that people all across the globe are celebrating today. That is the biblical and historically proven event of Jesus' literal and physical bodily resurrection From the dead. After three days in that cold, dark tomb. Together, we are going to see what that historical event means for us in practicality as we live our lives in 2023 America. Now, before we take this inventory of some of those benefits of the resurrection, Let's look at the event itself in regards to its central importance to the very fabric of our Christian faith. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19, Paul says this, Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, that's what we preach, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, or if Jesus isn't alive in the room today, then our preaching, all of my words that I speak today, are empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. 
Then also those who have died, those who have fallen asleep in Christ, have utterly perished. They've been utterly destroyed. If, here's the capstone, if in this life only we have faith in Christ or hope in Christ, we are, of all people on the earth, of all men, the most pitiable people on the earth. In these eight verses, Paul is saying plainly here that if the resurrection of Jesus was a lie or a hoax or a mass hallucination, which is impossible, by the way, scientifically, for 500 people to have the same hallucination, then, if, that's, if it's a hoax, though, then every sermon that has ever been preached in a Christian church over the last 2,000 years has been completely pointless and empty of any real substance or meaning. And Paul goes a step further and says, if the resurrection wasn't real, every Christian preacher for the last 2,000 years has been habitually misrepresenting God himself and lying about his actions and his nature and character. And individually, for you, for your heart, for your life, if Jesus didn't rise, if he isn't actually alive in the room today, then every single believer's faith would also be completely pointless and empty and devoid of all meaning. And individually, Paul goes a step further still, saying that every Christian would still be hopelessly trapped in their life of chronic sin leading to death and destruction. If this event was a hoax, then every single person who has died as a Christian is actually completely dead in the ground and has no hope of a future resurrection. And overall, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, Christians, this is staggering, of all categories of humans on the earth, Christians would have the saddest, most deceived, and least meaningful existences. Because without the resurrection of Jesus, we will have wasted our lives on a false hope and an empty faith and a pie-in-the-sky pipe dream. This is pretty bleak, right? If Jesus isn't alive right now, I say it often, we're sunk. <laughs> we're on a sinking ship and it's only going further into the ocean. There is no light at the end of our tunnels if Jesus isn't alive right now. But <laughs> if Jesus is, in fact, alive in the room right now through the Holy Spirit, we are not sunk. We are soaring in the Spirit. If Jesus is alive right now, that means there is a brilliant light waiting at the end of whatever dark tunnel we may find ourselves in this morning. I'm so glad he's actually alive. Because he lives, I live, and you live. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And you can face tomorrow. Because he lives, nothing is impossible for the believer for both now and eternity. Because he lives, we will live forever together in perfect bliss, in perfect peace, in perfect joy, in perfect love. Oh. 
One day, guys, we're going to inherit all things. That's what the Bible says, like, two or three times explicitly. We're going to inherit all things, seen and unseen, as co-heirs of Christ and of God, because he's alive. So because he's alive, let's look now at some of that inheritance that is promised to all who put their faith, simply put their faith in this historical fact that we are celebrating today. Let's first look at Romans 4.25. It'll be up on the screen. Romans 4.25 says this, Paul says this, Jesus was delivered up or crucified on Friday because of our offenses or our sins, our transgressions, our iniquity. And Jesus was raised on Sunday or resurrected because, look at this, of our justification. Jesus was raised to life because of our justification. This verse informs us that the resurrection of Jesus is the seal. Everyone say seal. It's the seal of our eternal righteousness. Jesus being raised from the dead was the capstone historical event that proves our right standing in the sight of God. How can I say this with such confidence? Well, because this verse says it with a lot of confidence. This verse says Jesus was raised to life precisely because we were justified. That word justification is a technical legal term, and its simplest meaning is this. Justification is the legal spiritual event in which our souls are made perfectly pure, completely clean, just as if we'd never done anything wrong. Being justified is being, you've probably heard it before, just as if I never sinned. Just as if I never sinned. Overall, saying again, this Romans 4 verse tells us that Jesus was resurrected in order to prove the fact that we have been legally and gloriously forgiven. I'm going to say, I am forgiven. Our records, you don't have to say that, <laughs> our records have been legally wiped clean. You can say it if you want over your own soul. They've been legally wiped clean. And going a step further, we have been legally credited with the very righteousness of God. Now, how does this verse and these facts relate to the title of my message this morning? Reigning in life through the resurrected Christ? Let me just pause and say, the main reason I'm giving this message this morning is because I want us, as believers, to be reigning in life and not run down. Reigning and not run down. I want us to be reigning instead of being run ragged by the devil and his lies and his minions. So here's what Romans 5 says in regards to this justification and what it means for our human experience in this temporary life. Romans 5.17. For if, there's going to be a graphic up on the screen. For if by the one man's offense, that's Adam, 
death reigned through the, through the one. Death reigned through Adam. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness or justification will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. If we receive that abundance of grace that was provided for us in the death and resurrection of Jesus and that corresponding free gift of righteousness and justification, this verse promises us that we will live a victorious life, a life of reigning above the fray, a life of reigning above the noise of the news media, a life of soaring and overcoming through the one. It's all through the one who has overcome the world. He's overcome sin, sickness, death, and Satan himself. Look at this verse closely again to really grasp this. Our whole role in this equation is staggeringly simple. It's the role of a two-year-old receiving a cookie from their mom or dad. A two-year-old can do it. Our whole role is staggeringly simple. It's by faith to receive the abundance of grace. And second, the free gift of righteousness. Again, both of these being made available to us through the perfect death and resurrection of that Jewish man 2,000 years ago named Jesus. If we receive these two things, we will reign in this life and in the age to come. If we receive these two things, we will fulfill that Old Testament promise that God guaranteed to Israel 3,500 years ago. All my word of faith people, get ready. When he said in Deuteronomy 28, 13, and I will make you, God will make us the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If you listen and obey the commands of the Lord your God, which I command you today, he will make us the head and not the tail, the lender and not the borrower. We will be above only and not be beneath. That's the Old Testament seed for this New Testament tree of reigning in life. A tree of life that is made known to us through this Romans 5.17 promise. Guys, I want this reality for myself. I want to live above the snake line through the blood of Jesus. You can keep that graphic up. Look at these two thrones. I want to live above that snake line with Jesus as a little two-year-old, letting him live his life through me. I want it for myself. I want it for Brooke, my wife, and my kids. And I want it for this whole church family. I want us to reign in this life and in the life to come. Now you may be asking, how will we reign? Or more precisely, what will we reign over as we obey this verse and receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness that was made available to us? Well, I want to submit to you that we will primarily reign over the two most insidious realities of this present evil age. 
two evil realities that have been propagated by Satan himself since the beginning of time. And these are the two evils of sin and death. The first evil of sin and the last enemy of death. Guys, we are promised to reign over the enslaving power of sin that wants to destroy us and ruin our lives. And we are promised to reign over the dark power of death as we receive the abundance of grace and as we receive the free gift of righteousness, that free justification from our Lord Jesus. This is such good news. Imagine this, picture this. Sin and death losing their stranglehold over the hearts and minds of humanity worldwide. What a picture. Sin and death losing their stranglehold over hearts and minds of humanity worldwide. Guys, and I just believe, I've been asking for it for this morning, and I believe, I believe the Lord showed me, sin and death are going to lose their stranglehold over real hearts and minds in the room this morning. The power of sin, the power of death, you will be loosed if you're in this room this morning, I believe. This is what we're living for. And this is what Jesus died for. 1 John 3, 8, love this verse. Why did Jesus come to the earth? For this purpose, <laughs> the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. <laughs> in context of today, for this purpose, Jesus came to the earth that he might destroy sin and death in our lives. So let's first see how we can conquer and reign and sit enthroned above the tyranny of that first evil, which is sin itself. Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if... We have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also shall be united together with him in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Here's the key. Verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. He who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he now lives, he lives to God. Here's another key, verse 11. Likewise, you also. Everyone say, me also. <laughs> That's not good grammar, but whatever. Me also, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. It's a reckoning in our mind. 
reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. (laughs) Verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it in its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members, your physical body parts, as instruments or weapons of righteousness to God. For sin, here it is, sin shall not have dominion over you. It shall not reign over you, for you are not under law, but under the power of God, under grace. (laughs) Sometimes we just need to read 14 verses at a time. (laughs) Here in Romans 6, Paul is explaining really powerfully and really plainly that the way to reign over sin and to not have it reign over you is to consider yourself dead to your old life and your old ways. Guys, dead people can't sin. Think about it. It's literally impossible for a corpse in a graveyard to sin because that corpse is biologically incapable of doing anything. (laughs) When we voluntarily choose to identify with the crucifixion, saying that cross was my cross too, and the burial of Jesus by faith and through baptism and through the act of taking communion, we, in these life-defining moments, reckon ourselves actually dead and buried with Jesus. Obeying these acts of faith makes conquering sin so much easier. Because remember, a corpse cannot sin. The old Kyle is dead. Truly, a corpse cannot sin. And practically, as believers, how do we access this reality? Well, I do it almost every day because I'm weak and I need to. I step into this almost every day by confessing Galatians 2.20 over my own soul. I do this by literally speaking out. I, Kyle, have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer Kyle who lives, but Jesus who lives through me. And then, from this place of a voluntary death in the Spirit, it's in the Spirit, it's not actual I have to clarify that, obviously. It's in the spirit, a voluntary death to sin and that old body of the flesh, we can now truly live (laughs) with a true newness of life, a whole new powerful life of reigning over the pull and the passions of those destructive sinful appetites that vie for our attention. And now, instead of submitting our body parts to be used by the devil, who's ever had their body parts be used by the devil? I have, for many years. We literally do the opposite. We submit our physical bodies on the altar of God's presence, like our actual hands, our eyes, our ears, our tongues, our feet. 
We submit all of them in service of the resurrected Savior to be used as instruments and weapons of love. Look at your hands as weapons of love. Supernatural vehicles and vessels of the love of Jesus to be used to heal and to give and to bless instead of being used to hurt and rob and curse. That's what I used to do, hurt, rob, and curse. And now I want to heal, give, and bless. Yes, as we reign with Christ, our physical bodies are called to heal, give, and bless. And so we reign. So we reign in this whole new life of purity as the love of Christ flows through us. Amen? This is how we reign over sin. We receive the grace to fully identify our lives with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So let's receive that fresh grace right now. The fresh grace that will empower us to rise above the tyranny of sin. Guys, I believe there are many in the room who have a habitual sin. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm saying it because I know the devil, and I know the culture, and I work with youth, the youth that they just love Jesus with all their heart, but they still get enslaved with sin. If we're honest, there's probably areas of our own heart all of us could be honest and say, yep, there's still one area. Let's activate the grace of God right now through the confession of Scripture together. He's the high priest of our confession. We've got to open our mouths. So let us speak Galatians 2.20 over our own souls now. This isn't practice. This isn't just a nice part of the sermon. This is real. This could really free you from two decades of a habitual sin pattern that is destroying your body and destroying your mind and destroying your relationships. Let's speak Galatians 2.20 over our own souls now, and let's allow his word, we're just allowing his word, to catapult us above the snake line of that specific sin. Can you see yourself getting catapulted above the snake line of that sin, where that snake cannot go to that altitude that God is going to catapult you through his word right now? So Galatians 2.20, repeat after me. Again, speak these words over your own life. Imagining yourself, I want everyone to close your eyes right now. Imagine yourself nailed to the cross behind Jesus. That's what this verse says. So repeat after me with your eyes closed. Imagine yourself nailed to the cross with Jesus. Here we go. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But Christ who lives within me. Amen. Guys, it's so much easier to live pure when we simply allow the pure one to live his life through us. It's so much easier to live pure when we simply yield to and allow the pure one to live his life through us. It's, so, it's a really fun life <laughs> to not be enslaved to sin. <laughs> I'm a happy customer. <laughs> I, really, I really am. Oh, I'm going to get some water.
Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> Guys, so now that we've seen from Romans 6 how we've been enabled to rise above and reign over that first great satanic evil of sin, let's see now how we can conquer and reign and sit enthroned above the power of death, that last and final enemy of all humanity. And for this point, guys, we're going to hone in specifically on how we can get set free and rise above the fear of death, the fear of death, which is the most common and inherent fear that is shared by all humans, reigning above the crippling fear of death. We'll turn to Hebrews 2 in order to find our ticket. Way better than a Willy Wonka ticket. That's a weird movie. We'll turn to Hebrews 2 to find our ticket that grants us entrance into this glorious liberty from the fear of death. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. I love these verses. The Bible's so awesome. Inasmuch, Hebrews 2, inasmuch then as the children, that's us, all human beings, have partaken of flesh and blood. Who has flesh and blood in the room right now? Okay. He's talking to you. He himself, Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death, he, that is Jesus, might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release, there's the word, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime. Everyone say, all their lifetime. All their lifetime, subject to bondage. These two verses are wild. The writer of Hebrews informs us that the fear of death is the root cause for all forms of slavery, bondage, and fear itself. The fear of death makes all humans subject to all other types of bondage. This is wild. Only the Bible could bring that out. <laughs> well, the writer, not Jordan Peterson, the Bible. Well, the writer of Hebrews does not leave us without hope. He tells us that Jesus became a physical human being with real flesh and real blood in order to destroy this last great enemy named death. These verses tell us plainly that Jesus destroyed the devil's stranglehold on death through his own sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection. And this destruction of the power of death has actually made it possible for real human beings like you and me to become liberated and set free and released from this fear of death and therefore to be released also from all those lesser fears that are attached to death. Like it's actually possible for a human being, specifically a believer, to be fearless of death as we go through our Christian life. And especially, guys, as we draw nearer to the great tribulation that I believe is at the doors, the end time drama, Christians and Jews will be getting killed physically 
in an unprecedented way, unprecedented numbers before the return of the Lord. We need to settle this. Fearless Christianity is so attainable in the grace of God. Fearless Christianity is so attainable in the grace of God. And again, all we have to do, like a two-year-old receiving a cookie, in order to attain this freedom is to receive the abundance of grace provided for us freely by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And as we receive this empowering grace to rise above the fear of death, like I alluded to a moment ago, all the other lesser fears in the devil's arsenal, in the devil's bag of tricks, all of them, will start to fade away from us. Death is the biggest giant of fear. And if we chop his ugly head off, all those lesser fears, all of death's friends, will start to run and flee from our souls. Just like when David, the Lord showed me this picture, just like when David, anointed with supernatural courage from on high, chopped off the head of Goliath with his own sword, you know what happened to all of Goliath's friends? <laughs> they all fled and ran for their lives. All of the Philistines were dispersed and dismantled in fear after their champion lost his head. Cut off the head of the fear of death and all the other fears will lose their grip on our souls. So let's do that now. Let's receive. Again, this isn't practice or a nice part of the sermon. This is real. Let's receive the abundance of grace right now. We don't have to wait for an altar call. Right now, the abundance of grace to conquer and reign over the fear of death on this Resurrection Sunday, April 9th, 2023. And let's watch those lesser fears start to lose their power and influence over our minds and over our decisions. Just like when you chop a head off someone, they might have their grip still on whatever they're gripping to, but over time, it might not be right away, but over a few minutes, they're going to lose their grip. Isn't that cool? I know it's a graphic image, but the devil's a graphic enemy. And let me just tell you this, guys as a pastor who loves you. God cannot and will not honor the fear-based decisions that we make in our lives. God cannot bless those fear-motivated decisions in our lives because, guess what? He is not the author of fear, but of peace. He is the author of faith and peace. God has not given us a spirit of fear, so we can't honor our fear-based decisions. <laughs> so let's take out the ax right now of the word of God and cut the root of the fear of death. Let's speak his word over our own souls, and let's allow the sharpness of his word to do its work. So repeat after me. You, Lord, have not given me a spirit of the fear of death, but you have given me a spirit of power, a spirit of love, 
and a spirit of a sound mind. (laughs) One more from John 10. Repeat after me. The devil does not come into my life except to steal, kill, and destroy. Everyone look up. But you, Jesus, have come into my life that I may have an abundant eternal life. (laughs) Worship team, you can come up. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Guys, I believe the Lord in these moments has delivered many of us from that fear of death. He's helping us. Along with delivering us from those lesser fears of sickness, fears of accidents, a fear of tragedies, fears of drowning, fears of snakes, spiders, tight spaces. I was in an MRI this week. I have a shoulder issue, so it's nothing. It's going to be healed. But I, I felt a little bit of fear in that tight space. That's a spirit. I was fine. I defied it. Guys, these are real demonic spirits that want to rob our peace and joy. I was like, I, had, I have empathy now for people with claustrophobia. So, guys, I believe he's delivering us from all of it. If he delivers us from the fear of death, he delivers us from all of it. Guys, fears of wars and rumors of wars, a fear of a pending financial collapse, and the fear of the devil himself. If we have the word of God, we have nothing to fear. (laughs) I really believe, guys, Jesus has worked freedom in the room just now through his word. It wasn't through me, it was through his word. And I encourage us all to stand fast. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let us stand fast in this liberty that Jesus has purchased and worked for us this morning. Guys, I think the number of our fear-motivated decisions are going to be less because of this Sunday. Let's make faith-motivated decisions. (laughs) Whatever is not of faith is sin. Just leave that one there. Just gonna pray. Thank you, Lord, that you give a great deliverance to your people. Not a mediocre or halfway deliverance. It says in Psalm 18, great deliverance you give to your kings and queens in the room. Great deliverance, an abundant deliverance over your anointed ones. Guys, as we close this morning, I want to remind us of the points and lessons that we received together from the Word of God as we looked at how we can truly reign in this life through the resurrected Christ. First, we saw how Jesus' resurrection was the seal and the historical proof that we have indeed been justified in the sight of God, just as if we'd never sinned a perfectly clean and righteous record. This is what the resurrection is meant to preach to us. It's very encouraging. Second, 
we looked at how Jesus' own death has given us the power and grace to become dead to sin ourselves. We saw how by us simply reckoning, simply thinking about ourselves as dead to sin, supernaturally causes sin to lose its power over our lives. Because again, it's impossible for a dead corpse to sin. And then from this place of a voluntary death to self in the spirit, we then become resurrected with Christ to a whole new life of reigning over sin by living in purity and holiness and righteousness. And lastly, we just looked at how Jesus' death and resurrection has loosed us from the grip of that giant of death as well as all of death's lousy and lame friends. All those lesser fears that proceed out of him. We get freed from those too. So I want to invite up altar prayer teams right now to come to the front. Line up at the front. I want to invite you up. I need at least 10 of you guys, I believe. At least 10 of the altar prayer teams. If you went to that training last year and you're in the room, I invite you to come up. Guys, right now, I want to speak directly to those in the room who have never made a conscious and firm decision to follow Jesus with your whole lives. I'm talking to those of you in the room, maybe watching online, who walked into this building today or logged on, and you believe you have never truly received the grace and the gift of righteousness from Jesus that we have been celebrating today. These are the ones in the room that if you were truly honest with yourself, you would not be 100% sure of where you would spend eternity if you were to tragically die tonight. You're not sure of your standing with Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been antagonistic against organized religion or this Christianity thing. Or just maybe you've been indifferent and on the fence towards Jesus. Either way, I'm talking to you in the room or online right now. Here's what Jesus is saying directly to you. Right now, from John chapter three. These are his words. He says this to you. He who believes in the Son, in me, has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Jesus, here in this verse, is declaring himself to you as the great mountain of your life, the great watershed of your life, the great continental divide for your eternal destiny. In our country, in the Rocky Mountains, there is a continental divide where one raindrop that falls one inch to the right of that line, its, its destiny, that raindrop's destiny is in an entirely different output than the other raindrop that fell to the left of that line. 
One raindrop to the left of that line goes into the Pacific Ocean. One raindrop to the right of that line goes into the Gulf of Mexico or the Atlantic Ocean. One inch of difference, 3,000 miles of a difference of their output of where they end up forever. Jesus is the continental divide for your soul. How you respond to him positively, saying yes to what he did and what he said and who he is, you're going to end up, guess where you're going to end up? If you go to the right of Jesus by receiving him, believing in him, following him, you're going to end up with eternal pleasure. The best feelings in your physical body you will have forever. The best you've ever felt. Maybe it's after you took a drug. Well, guess what? Jesus is better than 10 billion drugs. Eternal pleasure. Eternal peace. Not one ounce of fear. Imagine the, the time you felt the most peaceful, the most serene. Maybe it was at grandma's house. That, that's what it is for me when I'm five years old, grandma's house on Christmas morning. Guys, we get to feel that forever for billions of years and then billions more. And beyond all the, the good feelings, which they're going to be good, we're going to be in oneness with our Creator, perfect relationship with our God forever. That's what awaits all who receive and believe and follow Jesus with their lives. <laughs> you know what awaits those who don't, who reject Him, who say no willingly unto death? It's the exact opposite. It's that dark pool. Those who go to the left of Jesus saying, no, I'm going to do it my own way. You're not the only way. I can have a mix of three or four different religions or different spirits. No. Those people end up with eternal pain, like real physical torment in their bodies forever. I experienced five 10, 15 minutes of hell. It was horrific. It was a thousand times worse than any pain I've had on earth. That's a real place that real souls go who don't respond right to Jesus. Eternal punishment. And the worst part, beyond the physical pain and the emotional pain, is you are separated from who you were made to be with forever. There is a divide forever between you and your beautiful, loving, kind, tender creator. So here's the simple invitation. If you want to respond rightly to Jesus for the first time, or you want to make sure, maybe you did it when you were little, but you're not really sure if you did. If you want to make sure and say yes to what the Bible says Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection did for you. If you want to make that decision, and end up with eternal pleasure, peace, and union with God, I wanna invite you forward right now. Be bold, be courageous. Come up to one of these amazing people. They're gonna pray with you. It's really simple. You're just saying yes to Jesus. If that's you in the room, I wanna invite you forward right now. Be bold, be courageous. You have everything to lose by not doing this, and you have everything to gain by doing it. Everything to gain by making this decision. I'm gonna fall on the right side of history. I'm gonna fall on the right side of Jesus. I'm gonna repent from my old ways, my old sin patterns. I'm gonna believe and receive the Son and live forever with Him. So I invite you forward now. The worship team is gonna sing a song. Be bold, be courageous. Make the decision to follow Him.
You will not regret this. And everyone around you, you don't have to worry what people are thinking. We are celebrating with you. We want this. We would, we would lay down our own lives for this one decision that you might make. That's how important it is. So as you come forward, if you want to make this decision firm, there's going to be simple steps up on the screen. Prayer teams, just lead them through repentance, through faith, and through receiving Jesus. The window of mercy is open. A fresh start, a whole new life. If you want a fresh start, an entirely new life, if you're tired of living the way you're living, ask yourself, have I really received Jesus? Am I really following him? Because he's called us to reign in life, live an abundant life. If that's not your story, ask yourself, am I in the faith? I'm not trying to cause you to doubt, but I really want people saved. I want to make sure you're following him. If you want an entirely new heart, an entirely new life, an entirely new future. The window of mercy is open. The door is open. The altar is open. The Father's arms are incredibly open to you. But one day the ark will shut. The door on the ark will shut. Jesus will come back and it will be too late. Make the decision before it's too late. Before the door on the ark shuts. Before the window in the age of mercy is over. Make the decision. If you've made that decision today, you've made that decision or you're making it right now, I want to let you know the baptism tank is open. This is the first step of obedience after salvation is getting water baptized. We would love to baptize you today. We have extra clothes. We have towels. If you'd like to get baptized, would you come over to the right? Come over to the right if you want to get baptized. Chad and Eric will talk to you about that. We have it open. Guys, if there's any other needs, any other needs in the room, we have the altar prayer teams up here. They will agree with you for any need in your life beyond salvation. We wanna pray with you. We wanna see a breakthrough. We wanna see a deliverance today. So we have the altar prayer teams up here. Let me just pray us out on this beautiful Sunday. The Lord bless you and keep you the Lord cause his face, his beauty to shine upon you and give you peace. Thank you, Lord, for your people. We thank you for a season of peace, a season of joy, a season of encouragement by the Holy Spirit, and a season of the fear of the Lord. I bless your people with the fear of the Lord as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Have an amazing rest of the Resurrection Sunday. Love y'all. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.